special counsel investigating the White House announces an indictment. The target, a top national security official who the special counsel asserts, lied repeatedly to the FBI and under oath before a federal grand jury. No, the special counsel we're talking about was not Robert Mueller of Russiagate fame. It was Patrick Fitzgerald, a hard-charging prosecutor who in October 2005 brought charges against Scooter Libby, the top aide to then-Vice President Dick Cheney. The charges against Libby, Fitzgerald said then, show the world that this is a country that takes its laws seriously. But maybe not that seriously. Libby was later convicted at trial after a parade of Bush administration officials testified against him. But now President Trump has pardoned him, saying he was treated unfairly. For Libby's many supporters, it was vindication. But many others, including the prosecutors that brought the case, see the president's pardon message as a case of revisionist history. We'll discuss the Libby pardon with one of the prosecutors who brought the case, a former top deputy to Patrick Fitzgerald, on today's episode of Buried Treasure. I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. You know, uh, Dan, the timing of the Libby pardon is quite striking. On Monday, April 9th, the uh, president learns that his personal attorney has been raided by the FBI and no-knock search warrant has been executed on on, on Michael Cohen's office, home, and, uh, and hotel room. Uh, later that week, he, spa- he pardons Scooter Libby. Um, it seems like the message here is what a special counsel does can always be undone. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, it, it, it kind of came out, it was a bolt out of the blue. I mean, no one was really talking about um, uh, Scooter Libby. There were, it, we, no one, we weren't aware that there was some big campaign uh, to get a, a pardon. Let's remember, Sco- Scooter Libby's sentence was commuted um, at the end of the uh, at George W. Bush administration. Um, he was living a normal life. Um, he was out of prison. Um, so what was the urgency? And I think um, it is um, fair to ask the question whether uh, President Trump is trying to send a message just at the time that he is really rattled by this raid on uh, his personal lawyer's uh, office um, and whether the message is stay loyal to me and I'll stay loyal to you. Right. But it, uh, it is also uh, uh, worth delving into just because uh, memories are short and uh, not all of us lived through the Scooter Libby Valerie Plame case the way you and I did. Uh, and um, uh, there's been a lot of, as I said in the open, revisionist history here. Uh, people uh, suggesting that the Scooter Libby uh, that Scooter Libby was railroaded by an out of control prosecutor that he never should have been charged in the first place. Uh, as the president said, he was treated uh, according to the, uh, to him. The, uh, he was treated unfairly, uh, and that uh, a key witness had, had recanted her testimony. That's a reference to Judy Miller, um, the former New York Times reporter. But I covered that uh, that that Fitzgerald press conference and I covered the trial and I wrote about it in a book with David Korn called Hubris, um, uh, which lays out the case against Scooter Libby at some depth. And uh, in fact, there was a lot 
more to the case than uh, is being suggested. And I think that our guest today, Peter Zeidenberg, uh, is excellent, excellently situated um, to uh, lay that uh, lay that evidence out. Absolutely. One, one final point, which is, um, you know, there are some interesting parallels and echoes um, to what's going on now and also some of the same cast of characters because it was – after all, uh, uh, Jim Comey, uh, uh, the FBI director recently fired yes. by Trump, who appointed uh, his good friend, Pat Fitzgerald. And, um, and it was uh, Comey who came under an enormous amount of criticism for giving uh, uh, his friend, Pat Fitzgerald, a very uh, uh, wide grant of authority. In fact, gave him the powers of the attorney general um, in that case. Um, which um, enraged uh, the White House and made um, Comey an object of uh, the White House's enmity. And, of course, in the, um, in the investigation into Trump, Mueller also um, is, uh, um, you know, is being questioned about his, the scope of his authority. That's becoming an issue, um, and there's litigation about that. So some interesting kind of parallels there. Right. And, look, when we talk about timing, yes, it came right after the Michael Cohen raid, uh, but it also came just before Jim Comey's book was about to come out, and it seemed like uh, the president maybe was uh, uh, sending his, his own message to Jim Comey as well. Uh, your guy, Fitzgerald, did this case, and I am going to undo it. All right. We now have on the line... Uh, a, a expert in this subject, one of the prosecutors who brought the charges against Scooter Libby and charged him, uh, Peter Zeitenberg. Um, Peter, welcome to Skullduggery. Happy to be here. What was your reaction when you learned that President Trump had pardoned Scooter Libby? Well... I guess uh, depression. Uh, you know, I, I saw <laughs> the shock was the night before when I saw the headline uh, come across the wire that um, you know that they were going to do it, and that was that was you know I didn't I, I didn't see any uh, uh, forecast for that, so that was a, a shot out of the blue. You know, then when he actually went through it, it was just you know. Another, you know, the, the the number of outrageous things uh, Trump has done since he's been in office is is long. So I just, you know, throwing this on the pile. The um, the president said in the announcement that Scooter Libby had been treated unfairly. Was he? Well, that was the part, frankly, that was most uh, upsetting uh, about the whole thing because, you know, obviously um, the decision to pardon. Uh, is his and his alone, and he can do it. And, you know, President Bush commuted the sentence, and I didn't lose a minute's sleep over that. Um, what what really did offend was the idea that um, somehow this was an injustice um, because in no way did, did, I, uh, did I think that that comported with the actual facts. Well, can you walk us through uh, some of those facts and lay out the evidence? Because you had multiple witnesses uh, in this case, um, um, and, and, and I should point out that the specific uh, uh, 
new evidence that was cited by the White House was that Judy Miller, who had been one of your witnesses, has since recanted her testimony, said that uh, when she um, fingered Libby as telling her that Valerie Plame had been had worked at the CIA, she was confused um, by the notes in her notebook and 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 information that that you and others on Fitzgerald's staff had, had had provided her. Yeah, I mean, the Judith Miller piece is you know th- this is a complete red herring. I mean, Judith Miller played a very small role in the case. Um, And so you may say, um, well, then why the heck did she spend 85 days in jail and why do we need to talk to her? Um, Basically, the the answer to that is we wanted to see if she would exculpate Libby. So just to step back and, and, you know, for people who've forgotten um, or weren't paying attention at the time, um, the reason this all came about is that um, there was, um, after uh, 2003, the invasion of, the, of Iraq, the war had gone south. Um, uh, a guy named Joe Wilson came out and um, wrote an op-ed saying, look, I got sent um, by the vice president's office to Niger, to uh, Niger and um, – I knew that there was no um, yellow cake, which is a sort of a building uh, component of uh, nuclear weapons uh, in Iraq. And I told the vice president's office that, and they knew it. And and, uh, Bush lied in the State of the Union when he said that, um, you know, about the weapons of mass destruction. And there was a so-called 16 words in the um, State of the Union, which became a huge political uh, fight and, and, and a, uh, a very damaging controversy for the White House. And um, soon after that, uh, it appeared in the press in a column by Bob Novak that uh, Wilson's wife sent him, uh, and she was a uh, she was uh, worked at the CIA, and uh, that led to her outing. She was a covert agent, as it turned out, at the CIA. It was reported. So we were charged with investigating the leak, who leaked that information. And um, in the course of the investigation, we learned that the vice president's office uh, and Scooter Libby was the uh, national security advisor to the vice president, um, was really concerned about this controversy and wanted to get to the bottom of, uh, you know, who is this Joe Wilson character. And for the month of June and July uh, in 2003, uh, he was doing uh, whatever he could to find out about it. And we learned very early on that um, the vice president had told him on June 10th that uh, about um, Joe Wilson's wife and that she worked at the CIA. And in the coming weeks, he had uh, nine conversations with eight different people about Wilson's wife. Okay, so those conversations are ones where people were telling him about Wilson's wife, Valerie Plain. Sometimes they just called her the wife. Sometimes they called her by name. 
but that she worked at the CIA, and he had five conversations with others when he conveyed that information. And so what happened and what we argued to the jury um, was that there was a in the in the investigation, um, Scooter Libby, you know, we think the evidence established pretty clearly, became very concerned when the FBI was coming to interview him. He had in his file underlined a Washington Post article saying that there was an investigation into whether or not uh, someone had leaked this information and had violated the Espionage Act by leaking classified information. And so when he was interviewed, what, what he said was, I heard this information from other reporters, namely Tim Russert. And anytime I ever discussed this information with anyone else, I said, I don't know if it's true. People are telling us this. This is just a rumor. This is what's out there. So, in other words, distancing himself from the vice president who actually conveyed him that information. And that's the story right, he so, then told to the grand jury as well. That's correct. So he told it to the FBI. He told it to the grand jury. He talked to innumerable, not, well, actually, I can't enumerate them, nine different conversations, eight different people. Judith Miller, he spoke to on two separate occasions. Okay. The, the central lie that he told was not about Judith Miller per se. There was no standalone charge about Judith Miller. The charge was that he obstructed justice by lying in the grand jury, by claiming that he had heard this information from Tim Russert, the reporter, and that he conveyed it to others. And when he conveyed it to others, he always told other people this is what we're hearing from other reporters. Other people are saying. Let's talk about who some of those witnesses were. Uh, one of them was Ari Fleischer, the White House press secretary. Correct. So that was a, um, uh, I think he was one of the, one of the first witnesses at the trial. It was very interesting. He, he had, Ari Fleischer, a vivid recollection of a lunch he had with um, uh, Scooter Libby. It was the first time they had ever had lunch in this particular area. I can't remember where it was at the White House. But uh, Ari Fleischer had just announced that he was leaving the White House. And um, there was an upcoming trip to Africa that he was going to go on and uh, with the president. And then after that, he was going to leave. And Scooter Libby asked him for lunch. Uh, uh, to go to lunch, and it was the first time that it ever happened. He remembered the conversation very well. We're talking about his future plans. We're talking about the Miami Dolphins. And at the end of the conversation, um, Scooter Libby told him that he had some uh, information that he wanted to convey. He said it was on the QT, the down low, something to that effect. And he told him about Wilson's wife. And, uh, Valerie Plain and said that she was responsible for sending Wilson uh, to Niger. And it was always uh, uh, our contention that you, he was passing this information along to the press secretary. He never told him it was classified with the assumption and understanding and frankly the hope that Ari Fleischer would pass this along to other reporters. And, you know, P.S. as an aside, Ari Fleischer 
did pass that along to other reporters, but it just so happens no one picked up the ball and ran with it and no one published it. But when Ari Fleischer read the, about the investigation, he had an oh shit moment where he was like, oh my God, this was information I passed along to reporters. Maybe I'm the source of this. And he came in with a lawyer. He ended up getting an immunity agreement, and he told us about the conversation he had with uh, Scooter Libby at the White House for right. lunch. And his exact. And when we talked, go ahead. I'm sorry. When we talked to when we talked to Scooter Libby about it, when he when, when the FBI was interviewing him, he remembered everything about the conversation. He remembered the lunch. He remembered the the, the future plans discussion. He remembers the FBI, the uh, the Miami Dolphins conversation. He never remembered anything about uh, the conversation about Wilson's wife. And that was the story with a number of the witnesses he had. Uh, he remember everything about the interaction except the discussion about uh, Valerie Plame. Um, Peter, I, I want to bring us back to the present day because you have um, another White House that's under the cloud of a criminal investigation, investigated by a special uh, uh, prosecutor, special counsel. Um, and I'm just wondering um, your thoughts about um, pre uh, President Trump's motives in this pardon, because there certainly is speculation uh, that the president was trying to send a message here. And I'm wondering if there's any part of you that thinks that uh, the point of this pardon or part of it uh, was to was to send a message to potential uh, witnesses out there, uh, stay loyal, um, and uh, and you may be rewarded. Uh, that was certainly my uh, in initial reaction, and it's my <laughs> it's still my reaction. Uh, I, I I don't see any other logic to it. Um, you know, there is to me. You know, look, Scooter Libby. Um, he had his sentence commuted. He already had his law license back. You know, this is, you know, it's not a case uh, if you thought he was treated unjustly that he, the poor guy's rotting in jail and, and you know, is is going to die in prison. I mean, this isn't a situation like that. The, the man was, you know, doing about his business. There was no urgency or critical uh, need to step in right now, um, except what else was going on right now. You know, uh, Trump's consigliere, uh, Michael Cohen, had just gotten uh, his office raided. And, um, you know, he's got uh, Manafort coming up to trial. And uh, I think very clearly that, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, we're, 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 we're speculating a little bit, but I think it's, in, <laughs> I don't think it's a reach to think that he's sending a message to others and hoping that they will, in fact, you know, uh, stay strong, they won't cooperate and hold out hope for a pardon. Do you think there's any chance that that could become part of a larger obstruction case against the president? I mean, his he does have absolute pardon authority, so it might be hard to make that leap. Uh, you know, I don't think uh, standing alone you could make a case like that, but when you put it, look, he had authority to fire uh, James Comey. Right. But you, you, you have to look at the motive. The, the fact that the conduct in and of itself is legal is not the end of the inquiry. I mean, it's legal for me to take my uh, the hard drive out of my computer and chop it up into little bits and throw it in the Potomac River. Right. But if I think if my purpose in doing it is to hide evidence that I know uh, investigators um, are looking for, then, uh, you know, we've got an obstruction of justice. And 
just the same, he's got legal authority to fire these people, and he has legal authority to pardon them. But at least in my view, if he's doing it because he's hoping to thwart a legitimate investigation into his own conduct, then, um, yeah, I think those are building blocks to an obstruction piece. So if you were a a prosecutor in Mueller's office, um, this is something that you might want to take a look at as part of a larger obstruction um, case. You know, I I think the Libby part of it is would be a stretch. You know, what I mean, to say he pardoned Libby because he wanted to send a message. I mean, just as a prosecutor, I think you're getting pretty far afield at that point. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you would have to have him. Uh, you know, he pardons Cohen, he pardons Manafort, he pardons Gates, or any of these other guys. You know, Flynn, Papadopoulos, any of these people. Uh, then at that point, um, yeah, I think you're 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 getting much closer, uh, much closer to the uh, to an obstruction. One uh, one last question, just back to uh, Scooter Libby. Why did he lie? Um, I think he got panicked. I, I think he panicked. Um, you know, uh, Richard Armitage uh, was the original source of this leak to um, to Novak, and. Uh, he immediately reported that um, he's like he, he had, you know, one of those. Oh, shit. I can't believe I said that. I didn't realize. And, uh, you know, there was no prosecutable case against him. And uh, he had a, a very credible uh, uh, representation about what he did and why he did it. And he was uh, regretful. And, and, and uh, you know, he reported it out right away. And, and you know, when Libby uh, saw that uh, he may have violated, um, he may have, he blew her cover, and um, realized that he was being investigated, uh, possibly for a um, espionage act violation. Rather than say, you know, I think I may have screwed up here. I didn't realize um, she was undercover, and and it wasn't my intention to blow her cover. I was trying to explain sort of the political. Uh, genesis for this, for this, and why why uh, Wilson uh, should should not be viewed as a credible uh, reporter. Um, rather than just sort of say that, he made up this cockamamie story, and you know there wasn't a legitimate investigation into who uh, who did this and why and what was going on, and he he lied about it. He made up this story and tried to distance himself from the vice president because if it. If he had reported it, you know, I learned this from the vice president, I think it would have, uh, in his mind, and, and, and frankly, in ours probably as well, would have been a, a big concern that maybe he um, knowingly violated, um, you know, by leaking classified information. Well, uh, Peter Zeinberg, thanks for joining us and helping us to uh, set the record straight on the Scooter Libby case. Happy to. Thanks to Peter Zeidenberg for joining us on this episode of Buried Treasure. Just a reminder, we'll have a special live episode of Skullduggery from the Museum in Washington, D.C. on Friday at 9 a.m. You can watch it on yahoo.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also, tell us what you think. Leave us a review. We'll see you on Friday.